All right, so guys, thank you for the clock. Uh, and thank you, this is, we're starting the sermon. I, I wanna do, for those of you who have been here, you know that what we're doing this summer is, we're doing Summer of Soap, okay? And uh, this is, just, what we're saying is, is soap is this way of reading for us. It, we have a little bit of old and a little bit of new, and then it's Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We don't do the weekends because it's a good time to catch up, and I just believe in having a break. Okay, but the point is, is we do these things. I don't mean a break from God, of course, but I just mean from routines. And the point is, is we do these soaps, and for the whole summer, all the sermons are coming out of those readings that we do up until then. Okay, now, if you don't know what soap is, we've done it enough. If you could please go back two or three weeks ago when I was talking in the first one I did in soap, and it, was a, it gives you everything that soap is about. But just to refresh everybody's memory, it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Scripture is, there's just a certain scripture. By the way, understand something about soap when I say soap. Yes, I want you reading the scriptures that we're putting up because I think it gets us all on the same page in a cool way. But here's the deal. Soap is a tool that you can use on any scripture reading anytime, no matter what you're reading. If you're reading our soaps, it doesn't, if you're reading our scripture selections, it doesn't matter. You can take any time you're reading the Bible, you should be doing a soap kind of exercise in it. Soap is independent. It's just any time you're reading scripture. You see that? So scripture is you just read a passage of scripture. Observation is first thing you're looking for the speed bump. What's the thing that God is sort of quickening to me? There's maybe something I don't understand. There's a question. There's something that sort of comes alive. Whatever it is, something happens in the word and you're kind of going, hmm. And what we want you to do is stop at that point in time and observe. Why am I going, hmm? What's happening? What's God trying to say to me? And then as you work that through, and it does take time. This is one of those things that you simply cannot do quickly. It takes time. It doesn't take a lot of time, as you're going to find out in a second. But the bottom line is, when you get, as you take the time with it, God will start speaking to you. And the more you do it, the better you'll get at hearing him. And at some point in time, God will bring you a revelation about what he was trying to say to you. And it'll come as an aha. It'll come as a revelation. It'll come as something that you go, oh my gosh, that's incredible for my life right now. And in that regard, then, you'll have an application. You'll know how it fits in your life. And then you pray to seal it. So that's all soap is. It's just a tool of how to read scripture interactively with God. All right? Now, having said that, I'm going to make a statement that I'm, I'm almost hopeful that everybody in here will say, that's not true. <laughs> I've done that almost every week. Okay. Now, soap is the fulfillment of everything that God has ever done. Is that true? It's a setup, right? Of course it's not true. It's not true. What's the fulfillment of everything that God has done? Heaven. Heaven. What is heaven, though? Heaven's the place where we are in God. There's no need of the sun because we're in the glory of God, and that's the light. Heaven is the place where we're in him and he's in us. And the oneness that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have, we are in, in the same way. That's the ultimate fulfillment of everything God's doing. He created us to be one with us. And heaven is the place where it comes fully and holy, right? But what is life supposed to be about? Bringing the things of heaven into play 
in our lives now to as much degree as we possibly can. That's what life is. It's saying there's these things that are transcendently beautiful and wonderful, and how do we bring them into our lives now? So now I want to amend this. If, if uh, this is, believe me, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. This is Jesus talking about these things. And he's saying that, though, notice something. He's not just saying that in heaven. He's saying that now as an incarnated being. I'm in him, and he's in me. Always remember that when Jesus died in his flesh, he's taking ours into God. It's a cosmic statement to make. But here, if soap is the fulfillment of everything God has ever done, we have to amend it a little bit by saying, in this world. Now, is soap interacting with the scripture in this way that it comes alive and you have a revelation, you have a moment with God, is that really the fulfillment of everything that God has done? Is this what he was going for? in us. I, I still want to say there's, there ought to be plenty of healthy skepticism out there about this statement. But I want to say, hang in there. Because by the time we get done, I think you're going to see not just soap, but I think you're going to see the Bible in an entirely different fashion. And let me ask you this question. Do you want to live in this level of oneness with God every day? Do you want to do that? If you do, he's given you something really, really simple, very straightforward. And if you do it, ever more so, will you be living in the kind of oneness that you're going to attain to most fully in heaven? But ever more so, are you going to approach heaven on earth in your life? So with that in mind, who's our prayer? John Batterman, that's terrific. So he's all the way in the back, okay? So, um, John, and there's nothing that John hasn't done in this church, from being on staff to being on council to being an elder of the church to everything that he's done. John is just a man's man. He's a pillar in this place. So, John, would you lift up the sermon? Would you lift up another church? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for just the awesome privilege of being able to come and gather freely. Father, we need you so desperately that we don't even know how much we need you. We pray, Father, that you would help us to hear your word afresh, to have it become real and alive in us you, as a daily guide. Help it, help it to be sweet on our lips. Uh, open our ears, Father, to hear past all the noise of this world. Thank you, Lord. To hear your calling, to hear your word, to hear your spirit speak and guide us every day, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just, we can't even begin to know how much you want to share and speak to us. Help us, Father. Um, Father, I just, uh, I pray for the halls over in Africa and the, Thank you, Jesus. the work that they're doing there and the church that, Thank you, Jesus. that they've just left in Ethiopia, Father, um, and the hardships there of, of having to go to jail for preaching the gospel. And we just lift up those people to you, those ancient Christians there, Father who have loved you for, for centuries. Uh, just pour out revival to those people, Father. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. So my speed bump this week, what we're doing in the sermons is, is that we're reading, uh, the, the preachers, are read, preachers are reading all the Old Testament passages, all the New Testament passages, and they're picking the one that they felt like God wants to do for the sermon. 
So my speed bump this week, is, does anybody want to hazard a guess as to what it might have been? Anybody got anything? This was a really, really, really meaty week. Okay, we were right in, in, in the New Testament, we're in Galatia, or, yeah, Galatians, and the, the point about the letter to Galatia is, is that it's kind of like the cliff notes of Rome, Romans. It's the cliff note of theology. It is all of it brought right down to the most workable place in an incredible way. Having said that, here's the one that caught me. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, the reason why that caught me, understand, was this. Didn't we just do this last week in Corinthians, an entirely different community? Didn't we just see Paul doing battle with people that were twisting the truth of the gospel and getting it wrong? And now here he is here. Does it shock anybody else that in the first generation of Christians, at the very beginning of the church, almost immediately, things are getting, here's true north, things are getting cockeyed. Just immediately, right here at the very beginning, things are getting off by degrees. Can you imagine if those things had continued 2,000 years later where one degree off would have ended us? So far away from God, it wouldn't look like Christianity at all, right? So here's the point. I look at that and I go, last week, this is that map, and this is over here is Corinth and Athens, and last week what we saw was is the reason why the Corinthians were being led astray was there were all these professional rhetoricians, professional speakers, make their living speaking because they can influence and wow and entertain and all these kinds of things, and people are willing to give their money to them. And these guys are Christians. Understand, they're not not Christians. They're not like horrible human beings trying to pull you away from Jesus Christ. They honestly think in their minds they're telling the truth. But there's something in them, and we, what we discovered last week was it was humility. There was something that was missing in them that was in Paul that caused them to be a little off of true north. And it was leading the Corinthians astray to an entirely different gospel. So that's what happened last week, and here we are this next week in Galatia. It's not even on the same continent. Literally, Corinth is in Europe. Galatia is in Asia. So in a different, in, on a whole different continent, right there in that big line there, there's no town Galatia. There's just a region Galatia, and, Galatia, and he's sending a letter into that region, region. And the point is, is, sorry, I'm having trouble speaking, but what happens is, is, that, is that in Galatia, there's an entirely different problem taking place. And it goes like this. See down the bottom right-hand corner, Jerusalem? That's the original church. That's the church that's being led by, by James, Jesus' brother. In the natural, we would think that Jesus' brother should have it pretty much right, right? He lived with him, he grew up with him, he knows him, and all that kind of stuff. In truth, in the Bible, nepotism doesn't work. And it really didn't work in that church. And I'm not saying that James is a bad person. I'm just saying that he was getting something terribly wrong. And the thing that he was getting terribly wrong was is that he thought of Christianity as just being a subset of Judaism. There was these Jews that do these kinds of things, and Jews that do these kinds of things, and Jews that do these kinds of things, and Jews that do this Christian thing. But all of us are really Jews. The Jew is the tent 
that God is trying to get everybody under. And so that means you need to be circumcised. That means you need to stay away from certain kinds of foods. That means you need to, you need to, you need to the law. These things that Judaism is all about, right? And so what happens is, is that Paul says this. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. This is our soap from Wednesday. What he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers. Now, here's what's going on. God, remember before, it's Jewish chosen Gentile pig. That's how it is from the Jewish mindset. Gentiles, are, we're not even to associate with them lest they defile us. And Peter's the one that has the vision of the food coming down. I've never eaten uncooked food, unclean food. Yeah, eat it. No, <laughs> yes. And then he goes to Gentiles and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden Peter goes, well, I don't understand it. But what I can tell you is God's doing the same thing with them as he did with us. So it must be the same thing. So I'm going to eat with Gentiles now. But they were uncircumcised. And afterwards, when friends of James came, this is James, the guy that's the head of the original church, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas, beloved Barnabas, was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? He's absolutely right to be doing this, isn't he? We know that now. But you've got to put yourself back then and play it out. These guys, are, they're still trying to figure out what all of this really is. And they're well-meaning but they're getting it off a little bit, and sometimes more than a little bit. And so here's Paul coming to him and saying, this is a big problem. You may not think so right now. You may think, it's, what's the big deal? Do you get circumcised and, you know, just eat certain kinds of foods and be careful about who you eat with? And these all seem like pretty reasonable things to do. In fact, right now, today, there's going to be churches all over America that are going to preach essentially a gospel that is, for all intents and purposes, very much the same thing. Do this, don't do that. Can't you see the signs? <laughs> right? And what he's saying is, is this is not what it's about. You're missing the point entirely. In fact, what he's saying is he's saying, look, here's what you have to understand, Jewish people. You have to understand the law was given in roughly 1500 B.C., 1500 years, thank you, before Jesus, 1,500 years. And in 1,500 years, not one person got it right. At some point, you stop thinking that the law was put there because somebody can do it. Like one person in 1,500 years. God must be really happy with those results. At some point, you, you, you've got to get in your head and your heart. If nobody's able to do these things, it's trying to say something different to us than just keep trying harder. <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing at some point in time is saying, maybe God's trying to point out to us that even these 10 simple little words are beyond our capacity. We need something else. The law is not the be-all, the end-all. The law is a pointer, a tutor, 
to teach us that we need help, a savior. We need somebody who's going to do what we can't, right? That's what you're supposed to learn. You can learn that logically without revelation. It says something that nobody did. <laughs> nobody figured it out. People, even then, James was still trying to get people to do the signs, to do the law, right? Now, let me just say something about that. The cross is beautiful. Oh my gosh, the cross is beautiful. Here's what the cross is, real simple. We all know this, but real simple. The cross is God saying for 1,500 years and heck, for the whole of human history, nobody has gotten it right. And I know that about you. Everybody has chosen to go their own way when what I wanted for you was for you to choose to go my way so that you, we would be one. But nobody ever made those choices consistently. At some point in time, everybody's made choices to separate themselves from God. And when they do, they're separated from God. And there needs to be something that would bring you back. And so the cross is beautiful because it's God saying, I'm going to bring you back. And the way I'm going to do it is there's a penalty for your separation and that's separation. <laughs> and I'm going to go on that cross and allow myself to be separated. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to allow myself to take upon myself what was due you. And in so doing, I'm going to reconcile you to myself. Now, right there, right there, if Jesus did nothing but the cross, it's hallelujah forever for eternity. We have been restored to God. Praise God. No matter what the rest of life looks like, no matter anything else, God brought us back in relationship with him for eternity. Praise God. Hallelujah, which is the best way in the Old Testament, in the, in the, in the Jewish language to say praise God. Lifting God. Hallelujah. You just, it's onomatopoeic, right? It sounds like what it is. Now, sorry, I just cannot get this to, it's going to look funny, but... But we know that this is not all there is. We know that it wasn't just the cross. Remember what it is? There's something that he's going to do that's going to let us experience now in this life what is heavenly. We're going to experience more and more what God intended for us to be now by something that he's going to do. Well, what is he going to do? I love the fact that the very best description of what God did in the New Testament is found in the Old. I love the fact that hundreds of years before Jesus Christ, God told us what the problem was and what his solution was. This is the best descriptor of what happens in the New Testament. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. What's that? That's the cross. Jesus on the cross, washing away your sins. Right? But now watch what he does. That's not it. That's not the only thing. I will give you a new heart, a new nature. I will put a new spirit in you, but put that out for just one second. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, the one that keeps choosing to go its own way. I'll take that out of you and I'm going to put in a new, I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. And let me say it another way. He's going to give us a new nature. Our former nature was, this is what I want, and I'm going to choose it, even though it's not what God has for me. The new nature is going to be, I want to do the things that God wants to do. 
Not to say that we always do that perfectly, understand, but to say that our desire is for that. Before, our desire was not for that. Our desire was to do sin, and we kind of had to stop doing sin so that we could do God. Oh, drudge. And now God's put a new nature in us to where the things of God is the thing that makes us happy, and to do the other things makes us sad. You see it? So what he's doing is, and then he says, but look, I'm not even then. I'm not, I'm not just giving you a new nature. I'm going to do something else too. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Now that's new spirit as in nature for us, but it's also, I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees, so that you will be and do what it is that's in your heart to do. I've given you a heart that is my heart to do my things, and now I'm going to give you the spirit to help you actually do that, to lead you, to guide you to do that right? That's, that's the New Testament. This is the new covenant. This is the new thing. This is what God's going to do. And he told us hundreds of years before he did it. The fact that nobody had it by the time Jesus showed up, the fact that it took until after Jesus had even died before anybody got it is unbelievable and an indicator of how badly we need God. More specifically, how badly we need revelation from God to show us what these things actually mean, lest we get it a little wrong. Now watch. Do you not know that your God's temple and God's spirit dwells where? Wait a minute, what was heaven about? Us dwelling in him, him dwelling in us. And you see what he's doing now? He's bringing heaven here, now. Yeah, it's in this body of flesh, so it doesn't manifest quite exactly as it's going to do in heaven. But the bottom line is he's doing the same thing. We're in him and he's in us. And in fact, remember the spirit has to help too. It's not just the new nature. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, counselor, teacher, guide. Someone who's with you all the time, helping you understand what's true, what's not true. Helping you to navigate the rapids of life in order to get it more and more and more actually online with where God is. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, the world can't receive him. It doesn't see him and it doesn't know him. But you do. Because he dwells where? With you. And will be where? In you. <laughs> you see it? I mean, this is just the coolest thing. Now, right there, we could say, done. Got the Holy Spirit inside of me. Holy Spirit's leading me, guiding me. Yeah, we could say done except for one little problem. Those professional speakers had the Holy Spirit in them too. They were Christians. James, the brother of Jesus, had the Holy Spirit in him too. These people that came and spied out. Peter certainly had the Holy Spirit inside of him. Peter, Barnabas. And yet every one of them was able to be tilted from true north. Do you see it? Well, maybe we're not done then. Maybe we have to look at something else. Let me, let me try it this way with you. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. I said to Peter in front of all the others, you know, you're just a hypocrite. You're, you're an idiot. In prison, right, there's the old story of if you want to establish a reputation, go find the biggest, baddest guy and pick a fight with him, right? Now, here in truth, here's what's really true. He'll kill you, <laughs> right? 
You go pick a fight with the biggest, baddest guy, you're not the biggest, baddest guy. That's why he's the biggest, baddest guy. And the biggest, baddest guy usually wins in a fight. This is not really very good advice. It works in movies because there's a director that can say, cut. <laughs> it doesn't work in life because nobody says cut until they cut you. <laughs> right? It just doesn't work. But here's what Paul's doing. He picks a fight with Peter. Pick a fight with one of the guys that we don't even remember their names. There was 12 of them. Do you know the 12 names off the top of your head? Pick a fight with one of those guys. Don't pick a fight with Peter. Peter's the big BMOC, big guy on campus. He's the man. Peter is the one. He's the one that was one of the three of the 12. He was inside the inside. Right? Don't pick a fight with Peter. But he picks a fight with Peter. Let's just, let's just make something clear about Peter. Peter also operated in this thing that we're going after today, which is revelation. God's speaking to you. God leading you. Who do people say that I am, said Jesus to his disciples? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. First time anybody got that. But now listen. How'd they get it? Did Peter figure it out? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. No other human being got it. You got this direct. That's how you got it, direct. You didn't get it from Oswald Chambers. As much as Oswald Chambers is awesome and we should read him because he brings such great revelation, but it's a little bit like reading it. I love people reading devotionals. Do not misunderstand me, but do understand something about them. It's a little bit like the baby bird who's being fed by the mama bird who went out there and ate the food, swallowed it, and then pukes it into the baby's mouth. That may sound harsh, but you're eating pre-digested food. Yes, it's a revelation. Yes, God can use it, but it's not yours. Well, it is yours because it's an insight, so it, it has value, but there is food to be had that is direct. Heavenly manna, daily bread. There is food that is straight from him, revelation that is straight from him. That's what we're going after here, and watch. See, Peter's a guy who God had that. So how in the world could Paul be picking on Peter? Well, it turns out it's not just a one-time deal. It's something that needs to happen all the time. Here's what Peter says to his enormous credit. If you want to know why Peter is so cool, because I think most people, when they think about Peter, think of him as being kind of a screw-up. Isn't that the way that he comes across so oftentimes? But here's the thing about Peter that makes him so important to all the Bible. He was the guy that knew when he screwed up. And he corrected it. In fact, here's how he corrected it with Paul. Our good brother Paul, the guy that rebuked him in front of everybody. Our good brother Paul, who was given much wisdom in these matters. He knew more than I did. That's what he's saying. He refers to this in all his letters. He's talking about the things that were revealed to him by God. Now look. And has been written you essentially the same thing as what I'm trying to say now. What's he saying right there? Listen to it. I'm just telling you what Paul told me, and I knew what Paul said was truer than what I was thinking, so I'm telling you what Paul taught me. 
That's what he's saying. And then he says it this way. Look, some of the stuff he writes is pretty hard, <laughs> pretty difficult to understand. A lot of people, when we start talking about reading the Bible and getting direct food, here's what you're saying in your hearts. I just don't understand it. I'm going to tell you right now a key. It's not that you can't understand it, period. I don't care what your personality type is. It's not that you can't understand it. Honest to goodness, honest to God, right now, just being as totally transparent as I can possibly be with you right now, it's that you haven't put the time into trying to do it directly because it takes time. For some people, it's easier. I got it. They're just the kind of people that can mess with something and they get a revelation pretty quick. Easy for them. But everybody is built to receive revelation from the Lord directly. Everybody. And it may take a while to develop that muscle and develop that ability and develop that capacity. It may take a while. But if you invest the time in it, It'll take you from going like this. You know, the thing I love about True North is, think about it this way. If you just let a ball just roll around, where's it going to go? Who knows, right? It's going to get off here, off here, off here. But if you put a string on that ball, and then you start pulling on that string, where does it go? Directly in line with wherever it's being pulled. That's what happens when you're reading the Scripture and God's giving you revelation. He's putting something in your life that's pulling you towards a certain end, and you line up with it quite naturally now. And now everything that you're doing up here, you can see what's wrong with this, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with this. And that's what Paul was doing, right? They only were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent wrong. Ten degrees wrong, but he knew what wasn't true. So what we get here is these, I just love Peter. Look, some things Paul wrote are difficult to understand. Irresponsible people who don't know what they're talking about twist them up, get them all twisted up. They do it to the rest of scriptures too, and they destroy themselves when they do it. Don't you understand that the things that get us off are not just that we tend to wander. We've got somebody who's literally pulling us off course, off of true north. We've got Satan out there who's trying to get you to think just a little bit differently about that than you do. And it's only 1%. And it turns out so is rat poison. 99% great food, but the 1% kills you. Turns out it's pretty important to be true north. Be pulled to the thing that God's telling you and stay away from the things that would kill you. See it? Thank you, God. Now, where did, okay, we, we know where Peter got his revelation about Jesus being son of God. Where did Paul get his revelation from? It's all over the book of Galatians. This is just chapter one. Paul, this is the very first verse in chapter one. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by God. Jesus was dead at that point in time. The apostles, Peter thought, needed to be people that had been with the Lord when he was alive. Because who else could know the truth? See? Well, it turns out somebody that had been with God in heaven. <laughs> Not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 11, I want you to understand, the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. When I was saved, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before me. See, I got saved, now I need to go to seminary. I got saved, now I need to go to church. I got saved, now I need to go study somebody else and what they had to say about this. 
Can I tell you? Going to seminary is wonderful. Going to church is wonderful. Studying is wonderful. These are important things. Paul did them. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He spent his life studying what other people had to say. And then judging by it as best he could about what he felt was true about it. Right? There's nothing wrong with going to these other sources. It's just that that's the peripheral stuff that should be happening. There has to be a main course. And the main course has to be just you and him. That's the way you know when somebody who's getting it right, you're saying no. I'll, I'll go wait till I'm done and then we can talk, okay? Now watch this. Now watch. I preach it based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source. No one taught me. I reached it direct. When I was saved, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. I went away. Look, I didn't go up to Jerusalem to consult. Instead, I went away into Arabia where he just simply was seeking the Lord. That's all he was doing. And later, I returned to the city of Damascus. Fourteen years later, Paul does, in fact, go down to Jerusalem and says, I went to Jerusalem to check it out with the apostles just to see if I had it, if I was screwing up somewhere, if I'd missed something. Because that's possible. No matter how much you think you've got God exactly right, you don't. Right? So he's saying, I went down there to check it and just make sure. But look what he was doing. He wasn't getting his river of living water from them. He was getting it from him, and he was checking it with these other things. See the difference? What's first? This is, this is a Hebrew Bible. You can go right now. It's called a Talmud. And you can go out and you can buy one of these. And you can buy one that just has the scriptures in it. But usually when you buy a Hebrew Bible, a Jewish person does, they buy one of these. And the middle section, the purple one, that is the actual scriptures. Everything else on there are the most famous rabbis saying their most famous things. And they put it right by there. See the blue guy, the, the light blue guy, the gray guy, the dark blue guy down here. See what I mean? The, the, the guy up in the very left-hand corner there. You see, and they add their little notes, and what they're doing is they're always talking about it. They're always talking about God, and they're talking about, well, this person said this about God, and this person said this about God. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus, when he was doing his first miracle, he picked it up, and he said, I'm the one who is the fulfillment of this anointing to preach the gospel to the poor. And they said, where'd you get your authority? In fact, what they actually said was, is nobody ever spoke like him. He doesn't speak about what Rabbi Gamaliel says. He doesn't speak about what Rabbi so-and-so said. He doesn't speak about what this person said. He speaks about what he seems to know. Nobody ever spoke like that. You see it? I told you last week, I believe it. I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to utter. I was caught up into the third heaven and I saw things. And here's what I'm saying. That string that is Paul, that keeps Paul landed where he does, located where he does, plumb lined where he does, the thing that happened to him was is that he, he experienced something that was so transcendent of this world that everything that doesn't line up with it perfectly, he could tell like a great big red flag instantly because he had found this. He'd found this truth. He'd found this direct. Do you see it? It doesn't mean, I want to just be careful, it doesn't mean that people can't come and correct you. 
In fact, Paul is someone who comes and corrects a lot of people. But other people are getting corrected all the time in scriptures. People are leading people into things and then Aquila and Priscilla take them aside and they show them a better way. Right? They show them the bigger truth. I think it was Aquila and Priscilla. I might get that one wrong. So I want to say soap is the fulfillment of everything that God has ever done in this world. But we're not quite there yet because what's, what's, what's missing so far? We've been talking about how to have a direct revelation from God, but I can have that. I don't need to read the Bible. I can go out and pray and have a direct revelation from God. I can pray about whatever. Things that are happening in my life or the text of my life or the Bible of, of my, or the readings of my life. And God speaks into those things and I can get revelation. So I need to do one last thing before we get home. We need to understand what the Bible really is. Because it isn't a book. John says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, human, and made his home among us. Now, we understand something. Here's what, here's what John is saying in the, in the major instance. He's saying this. In Genesis, it says, God said, let there be light. Let there be light. He spoke words. Let there be light. And what John is now telling us is, those words were Jesus. The thing that was going forth from God, the Father on his throne, going forth into the world and creating things. Think about it. Jesus is the one who's always going forth, isn't he? In the, in the Old Testament, you got theophanies, which are the appearances of God. That's Jesus going forth from the Father to speak to his world. In Christ in, incarnated, we have Jesus going forth from God, as he says over and over and over, going into the world and being who he is in Jesus Christ right? So Jesus is always going forth. Here's the part that we don't get. That's what the word is. It's an intentional play in John's part on wording, logos. It's an intentional thing where he's saying the word went forth and got written down on parchment and later books That's as much Christ as Jesus on the cross is. Jesus in the flesh is. The Word is God. The Word, the Bible, it is God. People make it out to be a book and written by people and having influences. Were there influences? Absolutely. When you think in your mind that God is saying something to you, here's what I want to tell you. The likelihood is that he is, and the likelihood is that you're in there too. So the Bible has in it this thing that people do. But God did something extraordinary with the Scripture, as he said, and that is Scripture is God-breathed. Think about it. Let there be, let there be light. Let there be light. It's a breath. And it goes out into the world and it does what it does. And what scripture is, is this thing that God has put in our lives. And the fact that some people take it and screw up with it and do this kind of thing, it doesn't mean that it's like the perfect manual. It's not the perfect manual. What it is, it's the whole of life being encapsulated. And what we do when we read it is, is that we come to understand that God is the one who has put those words down there for our benefit. It's profitable for correction, for teaching, for reproof. It's, it's pro profitable to get us onto the line. But now watch. You can read the Bible as a book. 
and not have it bring you to the plumb line. Easy. People do it all the time. Even Christians. You can't read the book as if it's just, you can't, you can't read it as a book. <laughs> you have to read it as God breathing into you. The same God that breathed and there was light, the same God that breathed into a lump of clay and there was life, Adam, is the same God who through the word is trying to breathe right into your life. He's trying to breathe the truth into there. And he's using the word as the vehicle to get it inside of you. But then the Holy Spirit's in there talking to you about it. And God's talking to you about it. And Jesus is talking to you about it. And you're hearing all of this stuff. And you're thinking all of these things. You're not hearing it like I'm talking to you right now audibly. You're hearing it much more deeply and better than that. He's literally right inside of your thoughts. It's one of the biggest mistakes that we get when somebody's saying, I just never hear the Lord. That is not true. Every single person on the face of the planet hears the Lord all the time. They just don't know it's the Lord. And what we've got to get is to where we get really good at discerning what is and what isn't. And you get better and better at discerning what is and what isn't, in part by going down to Jerusalem and running it by other people. Am I getting this right? No man is an island, right? But at the same time, you have to be true to what God is telling you and work out. Where is that differing? And if it is differing in a way that needs to correct them, you need to correct them. And if it's differing in a way that you're the one that's off, you need to get corrected. Do you see it? God is in your thoughts. When I say God spoke to me or God told me or God said, what I mean is, is that I was out praying, I was in an intimate moment with him, and this thing happened. And I'll tell you what this thing is, and this is the part, this is the takeaway for today. Reading the word and interacting with God ought to be no different when we are reading the word than it is when we get into the best worship service we've ever been in in our life. What happens when you're in a great worship service? What happens? God's presence right? You're sitting there and you are singing praises to him and you're singing his glory and you're singing your need and you're singing all of these things. And all of a sudden you just get raptured, don't you? Right? A prefiguration of what will happen. You get raptured up into God's presence. And sometimes haven't you had the experience where all of a sudden the worship winds down and you go, where was I? <laughs> I just went somewhere. You did. You went to that place that's already inside of you, which is God in you, and you in him. And it is transcendent of this world. And we all, hopefully, have experienced that in worship. We're all capable of experiencing that, and most of the people in this room have experienced that. Let me tell you, that same exact experience awaits you when you read the word. When I go on my walk, when you're journaling, when you're doing whatever you do with your soap, this technique of interacting with God, and I'm on my walk, and, and I read this thing, and it makes me stop, and it speed bumps, and I'm wondering about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm walking through it, and, and then all of a sudden, I get raptured. He starts saying this, and what about this, and I say this, and then it goes to 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 this. You want to know something? And I just can't even, I don't even know how to describe this because I don't know that it'll communicate. But I mean to tell you something. I haven't preached a sermon in two years that I didn't get in less than 10 minutes. Now, it took longer than that to happen fully to where I understood all of it. 
But what I'm telling you is, is that for at least two years, usually I would study and I would work and then something would come alive and then I would get it and everything else. But for at least the last two years, this extraordinary thing has been happening where I'm just going and I say, what is that God? And I'm just talking to him about it. And all of a sudden he'll start to talk to me and I go to a transported place. And I just understand it. He just gives it to me. And then I start talking it out and working it out. It's something that I have an understanding of, but I don't necessarily have the words for. And then I start saying words. And all the time in my little dictation that I'm doing, as I'm walking and I'm saying, this is, feels like, and then if I'm getting it wrong, I'll, I'll sense that I'm getting it wrong. And I'll literally say in my notes, no, that's not it. Because I know that I'm somehow getting a little off of, of where this truth was. It's pulling me to something that he's trying to tell me. But the more that I get it right, the more that I come alive. The more that it just, it, it, it worship. The more this thing happens in me and I'm just going, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. I cannot wait to get there. And then I work it and work it and work it until I get it to where it's as pure a form of it as I can get it to on a Sunday morning. This is what's happening. This is why soap is the fulfillment of everything that God has done in this world. What's he trying to do? Get us to intimacy, oneness, getting us to that place. Well, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And it's available for all. And so we're going to do something right now because I left time for it. And thank you to everybody for helping me do that. We're going to actually do a soap right now. You have a pen and a paper in front of you, and I'm going to put a scripture up on the thing. And here's what, Lake Sam, Lake Sam is, could you guys grab one? It's, okay. Uh, Lake Sam is not a place that just hears, we do. And we're going to take some time right now. And I, I don't know if I, I don't think I want any music up here, but Pam, if you could do it in such a soft way that it wouldn't possibly distract, I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't tell you I wasn't going to do it, and I thought, ah, it'd be nice to have a little bit of background. Kind of helps creative uses flow sometimes. But here's what we're going to do, is we're going to put, I'm going to put a passage up here. It's a Galatians passage. It's probably as meaty a section of passages exists in all of Scripture, okay? It's meaty. There's going to be some point of connection in there. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Read through it. Look for the speed bump. Remember, always look for the speed bump. Where's the place that God is stopping you? Don't keep reading when he stops you. Stop right? Stop. Talk to him. What's going on here? You can look at other things and you can do other things, but what I want you to do is to play with it in your heart. Play with it in your mind. Think about it. You can write down. That's why I gave you pieces of paper and pencil. I think journaling really helps people understand what this usually does. There's something about the act of writing that opens up another part of the brain that makes you open to it. But I got to tell you, I don't journal. I just do it on my walk. I think it's against the law to walk and write now, right? Just like driving and writing. Isn't that against the law? Okay. You walk into traffic, don't you? And then what, we, what I've done is, now, now watch. We're going to do this for about 10 minutes. And here's what I'm saying to you right now. I have talked to people already in the congregation. And if you're sitting there, you're reading, you're saying, I'm not getting anything. I'm begging you, do not leave here with nothing. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I've asked certain people, and I'm going to say, Eric, would you go over and would you help this person with this? And then they're going to, they're going to just help you and, and walk you through and show you. Because I really believe something. The reason why most people think the Lord doesn't talk to them is because they're looking for something different than what he's doing. 
And I want somebody to come alongside of you and to help you see, oh, that's the Lord? I just always thought that was me. Let me say it clearly. You're not that smart. You're not that insightful. It's God quickening you to have thoughts, to think about it, to realize something. Work it to a revelation. Work it to an application. We got it? Here's the passage. I'm just going to let you read it. I'm not going to read it for you because I don't want to get hung up in anything. But just read it and then, like I say, do a soap. If you have a, if you have a need, raise your hand. And like I say, I'll get somebody to you. It's Galatians 1, well, actually Galatians 2, 3, verse 2 through verse 
place where you're still kind of working on what that speed bump is? Raise your hand. Okay, right here. Uh, Tamara, would you talk to Oh. Oh, I see. No, if you haven't figured out your speed bump, that's okay. Is there just anybody here that isn't in that process yet? If you're not, then I've got people that can help you. Okay. Praise God if everybody's actually there. This is wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Once you found your speed bump, stay on the speed bump. Don't feel like you have to finish your whole meal. You can get to the rest of the scripture some other time, but stick with your speed bump. Don't feel like, you know, well, I got to tie it all into everything that's there. I'm telling you, there's going to be several different things in there that people are going to get in different ways. Okay. Thank you, Wanda. People are already to a point of revelation. Just raise your hands, would you? Wow. How many people are pretty close? You think? We're, we're going to give it another two minutes. And I get we're doing this a little shorter, but I want you to see something. It doesn't take an enormous amount of time to do a soap. It doesn't take hours. music that starts playing here in a couple.
Thank you, Pam. All right. I want to hear what God told some of us. Understand who I'm asking for, though. And I want everybody to know this. I'm not asking for the people who everybody knows get revelation all the time. I'm asking for somebody who you would say, I didn't know that the Lord was going to speak to me like that. I, didn't, I wasn't sure that he does speak to me. You see what I'm doing? You see what we're doing here? There's people that get revelation all the time, and they're going to speak, and that's great, and it's wonderful, and praise God for them, and thank you that our bodies fill with them. But I'm really looking for somebody who says, that was a surprise to me. God really did speak. Something really did happen. And then tell us what happened. Okay, you don't have to get to any particularly gory details of life, you understand, all right? Okay, we're not looking for nakedness, all right? We are looking for transparency. So who's got something that they would tell us? I may have to open it up to the people that talk all the time. No. <laughs> the people that talk all the time are good at talking. We un I understand that there's other people, but I know that there's people. Go ahead. You see him, Jeff? Go ahead. Thank you. He's going to give you a, a mic, and if you could, if it's okay with you, yeah. would you stand up and then just tell us? And always think brevity just for the sake that we can get a few testimonies in. Thank you. Go ahead. In verse 3 and 4, where it talks about how foolish can be with starting new lives in the Spirit, it says to, it says to me that, you know, it's, he doesn't, what I wrote is, he is not just wanting to come in the door, he wants to hang out as well. You know, he's at your door knocking, but once you open the door and you let him in the house, does he just sit on a chair or does he actually interact with you? That literally comports with a word that somebody gave me. That's that, really that cool. That was a big one. That's really cool. Who else? I know in the beginning it's always, it always takes a little bit of moment, but we're good at this. Who's got it? Okay, over here. See that? Yeah. Well, I didn't go, I didn't go very deep. I just did what came to me. Um, belief and faith are the reason we have the Holy Spirit within us and also why and how he is able to continue to work through us and in us. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Who else? What he reminded me was to go back to the beginning, the beginning of my faith where it was ignited and to do what I first did which was believe the message of Christ and how it connected me to God, spirit to spirit, and how I truly believed and it put a leap of trust in my faith, Amen. in my heart, you Amen. know. And um, so the word that he gave with me as well was decrease so I can increase within you. Keep seeking me and you'll find because he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful in all his ways. Live for him, not for you, and not for the world. Amen. I love that first part of it, too, in particular, where this is, let's go back to Carol, Jeff, Carol Miller. I, I love it, the first part of that, where what you're bringing out is, is, and that was what God will do oftentimes, right? You've forgotten your first love. It's going back and saying, wow, somehow things got twisted and complicated, and, and all of a sudden I ended up in this weird place that wasn't the same spirit. It wasn't the same thing. This is why Paul can say to other Christians, it's not the gospel anymore. 
It's become something twisted around your heart. It's strangling you. It's not something setting you free. It's beautiful. Carol Miller? My speed bump was um, Galatians, the 5, 6, and 7. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And God said, Carol, quit disqualifying yourself because you are not perfect. Amen. God will use you because you believe and you know that you know that you know. He loves that you believe in him. He loves that you believe in him. And this is being said by somebody who also would have, Jeff's hugging her, this is somebody who your salvation was such a beautiful, you're coming alive in Christ. And then it gets, Satan wraps those tentacles and you get someplace different where you, you're not even sure that God loves you. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go back here and, and go to John. I had his hand up first. I think it's John. I can't quite see the lights are bright, but I think it's you, John. You're right. Okay, uh, the last line. Abraham was blessed because of his faith. So I asked, what was the blessing of Abraham that he received because of his faith? He couldn't have a child, and God gave him a child. I am that child because <laughs> Christ lives in me. If I put my, if I believe, if I trust, if I act, I will see that I am a child of God. I have read War and Peace. I've read War and Peace more than twice. I don't watch a movie more than once. I've read the Bible. I can't tell you how many times. I literally wanted to bring out my original Bible that I was given way back when, and I couldn't find it, and I remembered because it literally wore out and fell apart. I've read the Bible so many times, it's ridiculous. I want you to see something. You see how different the thoughts are? It's an interactive living thing, and it's where God is impacting you. I can read that passage one year and get one thing out of it, and I can come back to it the next year and get something entirely different out of it, and they're both true to it. They're both the anointed, that, that um, living word coming alive in that. Let's just do a couple more. Oh. Amber, and then we'll. I don't actually want to share my revelation, but I wanted to thank you for sharing yours because the first thing I wrote down was, what was Abraham's blessing? Well, that's good. So thank you for answering that question for me. Thank you for sharing your revelation and expanding on mine. Thank you. Thank you. Right here. Um. Adam, I don't know if there's other hands, but would you go all the way around and there's a hand up in the back there. Rasmussen. Go ahead. Excuses for my English, but <laughs> where I will try you're, you're to... You're fine, you're fine, no problem. ...to do my revelation. After starting my new life in the spirit of God, Jesus is the best gift that I received in my life. I was living in the dark of poor feeling of pain, blindness, touched by the really bad thing that the enemy do to the children of God. 
It was to be born again. Jesus brought to me, brought me to me to the highest level of love in the presence of God. I feel that all I am is because Jesus gave me his life and his Holy Spirit to, spirit to succeed and live for the eternity. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Eric? Well, I was kind of surprised because it wasn't maybe a revelation so much, but God's asked me to take this to a friend who's a non-believer and walk this process and help him find the speed bumps. Uh, lovingly, that's a revelation. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Let's do one more. Uh, actually, I'm going to do Jan just because this is pastor's prerogative here. Janice, right there. And now several hands are going up, but like I say, we're, we're at the end. So go ahead, Jan. Thank you. Well, I just kept reading when I saw um, children of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham. I kept thinking, okay, so I'm a child of Abraham, like John was saying, that God gave the promise to Abraham. What was that promise? And, and then I was thinking, oh, well, all nations were to be blessed through him. That's what it said. It says, all Amen. nations will be blessed through you. So it's by my faith, but how am I going to do that? It's not through my human effort. Again, it's, it's faith. It's just him. It's all about him Amen. and what he wants to do. And so all my concerns, he says, I'm, I'm going to work miracles through you. I'm going to cause you to be a blessing because of your faith in me. It's me that's going to do the work, not you. So just Amen. believe it. Believe it, and, and it'll get... And this is a woman who's heading up a huge ministry that is impacting the world greatly. I love that so much. I'm, yeah, I'm going to let you... Go ahead, Justine. Oh, aren't you, aren't you wonderful? In your app, when you go to the soap, the bottom section of it is going to say, share your speed bump. Please do that, please. Okay, write down what you didn't get to share, put it in there. I just want to end with, with two thoughts from two different people. Bill came up to me and he said, the image that I had in my mind was, is, is oxygen. That, you know, you're breathing in, but that oxygen has to get distributed throughout your body. It has to go to your mind. It has to go to these places. And so we have to be... It, it's just, I just have to say, it's just not something that you can do it, it's, it's not something you can do while you're showering. It's not something you can do while you're cooking. It's not something you can hardly do while you're driving. It's something, you can do it when you're walking. And I do walk into traffic regularly. <laughs> but it's something that you, it's something that you have to give dedicated time to. I think I missed the word a little bit, Bill. And I apologize for that. I do want to say, uh, Tamara, do you want to just say what you were going to say? Maybe I'll do it that way, and I'm sorry. Maybe I'll, I don't know what to do now, and I feel conflicted. I'm also going to say we were reading the soap when we were on the camp out. Well, we were reading in Jeremiah, and that verse also in Jeremiah, do you remember, Diego? It says, we will bless all of the nations because of you, and my word will go out. So that the fact that the Old Testament and the New Testament we were reading this week, how they keep mirroring each other to me is yeah. really powerful. Okay, what you I wanted me that. to share. Yeah was um, I grew up in a Christian home, and this is what I had to do my whole life. And there were moments where it worked, and a lot of moments it didn't. 
And I told the youth this week, guys, don't give up because I've been a Christian for 40 years and it hasn't been until the past three or four that the scripture has been coming alive to me. So when Kurt says this takes a long time, don't give up. He's not joking. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep going after it. God's going to honor that heart. Yeah, she said it in a little bit more profound way too. She said, because of my previous religious endeavors, I had actually become filled with a corruption of pureness. And so when I heard from the Lord, I was always hearing through those filters. And so then she brought up, you do need to bring this to other people too. You do need to do that. Uh, Bill, can you just stand up and say it? I just, just keep it. Thanks. The picture about the oxygen that I got was, first of all, just what you shared is monumental. And uh, go back and, and listen to this message over and over until it gets deep down inside of you. I, I agree with that. I just kept echoing and hearing this. But what was, God was showing me was he is he's giving us his heart. Remember how he promised, he said in the scripture, what you showed us earlier today about we have a, a supple, tender heart yeah. in place of that hardened heart? Well, anyhow, oxygen is what we need. Now, if you're trying to think and function in life through your brain, it isn't going to work. What supplies the brain? It gives the brain oxygen is what? It's the heart. It pumps the blood that we need. That's Jesus. That's what we need. We need that daily. You can't go without oxygen any day. And the thing that he was showing me was, as we try and function on our own, when the brain tries to work, you, you, it's like being low on oxygen, being out of shape. You're just kind of stagnant. You, you can't do what you need to do. And uh, the, the key thing I was just trying to, to, to remember is, is that he promises this. If we ask him, if we ask him, he will give everybody here the heart of God the understanding, the revelation, Amen. the fullness of his word, for he is the breath of life. life. He's that oxygen. Now, ask, seek, and knock. This is the word, this is the most important thing that I can share with you this morning is I will reveal myself to those who diligently seek me. That's his promise. That's Amen. God. Thank you. I'm so glad I gave that mic to you. Thank and you. so right at the end, I think, at, I mean, lead us. In, I mean, yeah. I think we need to make a commitment. I, I mean, this is what I heard God saying. A positive action by you is you asking, standing up and saying, God, I need more. I want more. And always remember, in seasons when God is leading us to do something, if we respond, there'll be an extra measure of response because he's trying to get you to learn how to ride the bike. So Lord in Jesus' holy and precious name, this congregation comes before you. And what we say is, is that you've shown us how to have an intimate growing. You've shown us how to have a relationship with you that's even better than worship in this regard. It takes us further down the trail. It takes us deeper into you. So does worship, but this does it in a way where we have deeper understanding. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, I'm begging you, God, that you would move on hearts and that they would see, feel, experience, have revelation, that they would enter in, that we would enter in to an ever deeper, richer, fuller, more glorious moment experience with you.
whenever we read our scriptures, that it would be worship on steroids. Precious, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us this way of interacting with your living word that makes it come alive. God, let that be everything. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Thank you, God. Reach down in front of you and grab those two cups. In the bottom cup is the bread of life, and I think that God just extended the imagery, not just to bread, but to air. Every breath I take. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we come knowing that we just have not availed ourselves of this incredible intimacy. We die for it. We long for it. We seek other ways to find it. And yet you're offering it to us in the most simple, beautiful, magnificent way. Right there in the word, every day you wait. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, I'm asking you to help us actually respond. We know that we've broken our lives in not doing so, and so we put our fingers in there to break this bread, understanding how we've broken it. But in Jesus' holy and precious name, you're on the cross and you've healed it. <laughs> you have absolutely made us whole. By your stripes, we are healed and whole. So in Jesus' name, thank you. If you do not know the Lord, this is your moment to come back into relationship with the Lord of Lords, the God who loves you, the God who's just, just dying to just throw everything and pour it out on you. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift this cup in which is the new, the healing, the wholeness. So we take together saying thank you for healing us. And now in Jesus' magnificent name, we know that in the blood is the life. You've just cast vision for a new life for us, one that has the kind of intimacy that you share, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, we want to taste it. We want to drink it in. We want to experience it. We want to live in it. It's what you did. It's already been done. So we say, as we take this cup, the life that you have for me, not the one I've been choosing. Get me into it, in Jesus' name. Take together. Ushers, thank you for coming forward.